0: It was about this time of year, but it was about this time of year eight years ago. The youth was preparing to go to a higher things trip in Tennessee, Nashville, Vanderbilt University. And word came to a a freshly installed soul pastor, who was probably 40 pounds lighter at that point, (laughs) Randy Blankshane that the pastor he had served with in Illinois died. Having gone through a back surgery, they got him up to walk him, and a blood clot had hit his heart, and he fell on the floor, dead. So, the Higher Things trip plan changed a little bit for this particular pastor. Uh, Thanks be to God for Cindy, who (laughs) stepped in and, looked at the looked after the youth as chaperone while i kept on pressing after nashville to get back to bloomington normal illinois to be there for the funeral and at the funeral really the visitation uh, to see his father in his 90s willard by name just shaking his head and saying a father should never have to bury his son We look at this gospel reading as human beings, sinners, yes, but we are so sympathetic to this man, Jairus, his daughter, 12 years of age, 12 years old, sick near death. He has great fear. What can he do? Ruler of the synagogue, powerful by worldly standards, helpless in the face of death. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's this lowly woman, eaten up all of her income by healthcare costs, right? Low, poor. She spent all she had on the doctors, still no better, but now she's even worse. What was she to do? The blood flow was still going on. We are met in this gospel reading with death and disease, due to a fallen creation. And we still suffer this. We still go through life like Jairus, like his daughter, like this woman with a discharge of blood. We have maybe different things we speak of. We speak of things like cancer. We speak of things like tumors. We speak of things like heart disease and COPD and these things. There is plenty of fear still around. There is plenty of those who have to look elsewhere for hope and meaning and healing in life. You see, there's this great tension in this text of people being met with fear that they didn't ask for. But people also being met with faith that they didn't ask for either, that they didn't choose. But where else were they to go? Now to us, Christ says, mercifully, do not fear, only believe. What are you afraid of? I suppose we've gone to some biggies already, but likewise, there's probably smaller ones that we're thinking of too, probably things that revolve around green paper or money on a statement that you receive. What are you afraid of? And what are you afraid over? Whatever the future might hold? How you might be provided for? What illness may come to your doorstep? Stop being afraid. That's what our Lord says to you, not as a chastisement, not as some cruel person that says, suck it up, buttercup. No, but mercifully, our God who is human, Okay, God in the flesh says, stop being afraid. Look to Christ in faith. Look to Christ who went into that room where people were laughing at him, right? They knew a dead person when they saw one. She was dead. But Jesus says something strange about death. And it's like the oft-quoted passage by me. That even though they die, they never die. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he doesn't die. What does this mean, right? But he says it this way this time. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. They laugh. And probably rightly so, because they've taken pulses. They know she hasn't taken a breath in quite some time. She is dead. In fact, she's dead to the point where people have already come out and said, she's dead, why trouble the teacher any longer? But Christ isn't wrong. He's just reminding us that there's a different picture and portrait of death. There's separation from God. There's eternal death. There's hell. And she's not in that state. She's only sleeping. Physically dead. Yes. But that's changed for us who believe in God. That changed for that little 12-year-old girl... Believer in God, synagogue ruler's daughter, Jairus, right? It's changed into a nap, a slumber, and a good nap at that. See, we have to look at the exchange that took place as well in this text. It's all over it, too. He goes to the girl and he who said, Lazarus, come out to the tomb. And Lazarus came out. He could have just said, hey, little girl, Talitha Kumi. And she would have arose. He who said, let there be light. And there was light. Certainly could have done it that way. But he takes her by the hand. And a synagogue ruler certainly knows what just happened. And Peter, James, and John certainly know that you shouldn't be touching dead people. You've made yourself unclean. Sure, it's an uncleanness that can be overcome with certain ritual, etc. But why purposefully become unclean? Likewise, with the woman that had a discharge of blood for 12 years, she touches Jesus' garment, making him unclean. But that's not how it works, in a way, right? Christ pours forth his holiness. The power goes out from him. And he makes us unclean ones clean. But he does so at the exchange. He takes upon himself our uncleanness. And that is the exchange. And these are but pictures of the great exchange that took place at the cross. Christ taking upon himself his body All of our sins, all of our infirmities, all of our diseases, all of our warts, our disfigurements, everything. Taken upon himself to give you forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. To make unclean ones clean again. To make the impure pure. To heal all diseases truly at the last when he says to you all, Arise, And without any choice of your own, without any fear or trembling, you stand before your God clothed in a righteousness, not your own, clothed in the righteousness that was given you at the great exchange, the cross, clothed in the righteousness that was given to you as you're joined to that great exchange in holy baptism, washed clean. Joined to Christ's death and resurrection. It shouldn't have to be this way. We still go on saying. A father should never have to bury his son. But the father did. God the father sent his son. To be killed. For you. To be sacrificed. For you. To be buried. For you. For you. No father should have to do this, but God the Father did this for you. And the Son went willingly up Mount Golgotha and laid down his life on that wood. Taking on our sin, taking upon all the fallenness of this creation, all death, all disease, all our brokenness. And now we look forward to a healing that's better strange as it may be to say it, that's better than just a tumor being gone in this life, than just the cancer being wiped away in this life, than just the dementia and the Alzheimer's cured in this life. We look forward to the lasting healing, the everlasting healing. That is true. We have true healing in Christ at the last. Because the father sacrificed and buried his son. And that son rose from the dead. And we see that he is the first fruits. He is the head. And we are the next fruits. And we are the body. And we will go to the place that he has prepared for you and for me. And it's all because of that blessed exchange. He took upon himself all of our sins. That we would have life and salvation evermore. True healing is yours in Jesus Christ. Be at peace. Don't be afraid. Only believe. In Jesus' name, amen.